Welcome to Sober.Coffee, a weekly coffee chat sharing experience, strength, and hope for anyone on the sober road to recovery. You can download Sober.Coffee weekly on all podcast platforms and check us out on Instagram at Sober.Coffee Podcast and on Twitter at SoberCoffeePod. To learn more about us and to help support these sessions, visit online at Sober.Coffee. Here are your hosts, two guys on their own path to recovery, Mike and Glenn. Let's join them at the coffee shop. Two guys and a girl. Good morning, Glenn. That's right. Yeah, good morning, good Linda. Good morning. Hey, Linda, good morning. Hi. Uh, two guys welcome, and a welcome. girl. Welcome to the coffee shop. That's right. Glad to be here. I am glee with a, to a double N and smiling mm-hmm. Mike. Um, you know, happy, joyous, and free to be with you guys yeah. and in this program and yeah, under the care stuff. of our creator. It's good stuff, man. It's good sure stuff. Is. So, yeah. So so. And what a beautiful cafe. You know, the audio hive. Cafe, you know, uh, on Brian. This is beautiful. Fresh I, you know. coffee. We got the people. We mm. got the high production value, <laughs> and so it's professional and personal, all in a blended cup. And then you know, I've been listening to this podcast for you know for a while. I've listened to all of them, and uh, you get this idea in your head of what it looks like, and it's just even better. And I love that one, you know. Yeah. Wait, wait. So I am confused. So I thought all of our listeners were Mike's mom. So, <laughs> so we actually have one other, huh? Yeah. Right, nice. right, right, right. Yeah, she's our she's our number one downloader. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So, so that's great. So listen, uh, invited you here to have coffee. I. I, I got to do a little setup, though, of my friend Linda to you, Glenn. Um, you know, I came into the program. I was such a train wreck, as we've talked about. I mean, I literally was shaking in my boots. I was having a hard time putting my left foot in front of my right foot. And uh, I was so blessed because there was a, uh, a meeting center only a few miles from my house that was recommended me that I go and um, because I, I need, I've got this funny thing called a mortgage, which, you know, has to be paid every month. I've got this funny thing called a job, which I need to go to every day. But they had these. So that now. was my, yeah, right. That now. was my excuse. But, <laughs> but it turns out that they got these meetings at like seven in the morning. So my third day, I come into a, a meeting and, and they're going to they're gonna talk. They're going to read out of the book called The Twelve and Twelve. I have no idea. And there's this lady sitting at the front of the table. And I'm thinking, Okay, I'm. This is this is this is school. I'm ready to go. And uh, she opened her mouth, and and um, I felt um, I felt loved immediately. And uh, you know, in the program, guys usually stick with guys and gals, you know. But there's such a crossover because the women in this program have helped me so much. Uh, maybe it's the softer side of me, Glenn. I don't know. But anyway, look, Linda's been, been an awful lot to me in my journey to recovery. She continues to uh, teach me and guide me through her experience, strength, and hope. And I'm just so glad she's joining us for coffee this morning. You know, yeah, totally. Amen. You know, it's funny. Um, my uh, wife says, uh, she goes, you know, people are probably going to be tired of hearing guys, right? They like You should get some women in there because people are already tired of hearing you guys. <laughs> So, Linda, great to have I, you in here. I, I love your wife. I never even met her. And I love yeah. her already. You got to so, lo- love her they, if he puts up with him. That's I'm so right, glad man. you guys invited me. And thank you for yeah. that, Mike. You know, it's funny you said the, the softer side, and there's nothing soft about me. <laughs> you know, right. Um, well, let's start digging but, in. So, okay. Linda, here's, yeah. what we, here's what we typically do, you know, for our sessions. They, they usually last 18 minutes. You know, usually not, but right. we're, we're trying to last 18 minutes. But we take that 18 minutes and we break it down into three sections, right? Experience, strength, 
and hope. Right? Experience what we went through, what things were like, what we did. I like to say what we did in the sober gym, right? What tools did we learn? What tools do we use? And then hope. What happened? How have things changed? And what are we looking for tomorrow? We're looking for later on today, right? Because we did all those other things. Um, so if you could, you know, share your story just kind of, you know, with that, you know, we don't really do drunk logs um, that much. Um, but love having you here. Welcome, Thank welcome. You. Thank you, Glenn. Thank you for inviting me. I remember the first day when I saw you walk in. And you too, Glenn, the first time I seen you walk in. Uh, I remember over that. Over in Aurelio's. Uh, and uh, boy, man, you were torn down, man. It was like he's going Wait, the which revolving. Which one of the 200 times? Well, right, the revolving door. I, and, uh, that was me. And it's funny, though, because, you know, I uh, I got that to be so honest funny. with you. And it's an honest program. I was uh, pissed, man. You pissed me off, Glenn. Because uh, you come in and you're just so beaten down, and then you're talking about what you got to do and what we got to do, and I'm thinking, what the hell is he talking about? You know, he's like, just shut up and listen. You know what I gotta <laughs> say? It. You know what I? Um, but I love you know, and so I, uh, I, your name has come up a few times, and I see you at meetings all the time, and uh, and I was like, yeah, Glenn, and they're like, man, I love what Glenn has to say. I love his message, and it was like, I had to change my thought process, you know, about. Who, who you are and I you know I really never know you I never really talked to you or anything just listen to mm -hmm. your experience strength and open the meetings and and then you know changing that thought around to a new perspective is mm. so awesome you mm -hmm. know so um, and then well, you know Mike that's, Mikey, oh, go that, ahead, go that's ahead. really interesting because I think because I relate to that I mean I'm I'm very aware of how I acted back then and and back then I spoke it mm -hmm. and I didn't live it right right you were now talking the talk and not walking the walk, and it was yeah, pissing and me off, man. that's how I was man. getting the results. And, it was like, and I couldn't say anything. We don't, like, cross-talk, you know? I was just like, right. and I was living in my own resentment of you, and it's, like, ridiculous. And, but you know what? You didn't pull me aside, but many people did, in fact. Uh -huh. Well, it was up to the men, too. You know, it's, yeah. it's not up to me. And, I, you know, and, I, and the thing is, is what pisses me off about someone else is usually what I see in myself. And I'm yeah. so full of ego, it's ridiculous, <laughs> yeah. you know? I haven't been able to sleep for the last three nights talking, thinking about what I'm going to say and how I'm going to impress everybody, you know? And it's like, right. and I, I freaking couldn't sleep, you know? Yeah. And it was so funny because this morning, every morning, I, I text with my sponsor and uh, I told her another night, you know, we were at a meeting yesterday afternoon together, the ladies meeting. And anyway, and I'm thinking, I know it's all ego, you know? And I was just like, oh, I couldn't sleep, you know? And my, and my mind hits the pillow and it goes in all these directions. And I, I'm just going, you know, oh, be still and know that I am God. Try to right. meditate it out. And she goes right into, oh, ego. And I mean, uh, she had a doubt. I'm like, you right. nailed it on the head. She's like, right. seven step prayer. And they're like, oh, my God, I love her so much. Thank you, Lynn. Yeah. She's so wonderful. So, anyway, yeah. yeah. Tell me your so, story. Oh, well, okay. Well, <clears throat> I came from generations and generations of drug-addicted alcoholics and alcoholics. Um, the um, Native American, you know, the, my dad's side and my grandpa was uh, an abusive alcoholic and my dad was the oldest of 13 poor living in rural Indiana. And uh, my mom's side also, my grandpa on that side, was a rum runner back, you know. Mm. And, uh, mm. and uh, so, you know, it was... Uh, I was the oldest of three children. I had two younger brothers. And when I, I remember the first thing I remember was when I was two, when I had my tonsils out. And that's the thing is I do have a pretty good memory, uh, even the dream I had when I was two years old, I can remember. But I remember my parents fighting a lot and uh, coffee mugs going thrown across their room. And then um, 
one night, uh, my mom decided to go out. My dad liked to keep her barefoot and pregnant, you know, and, and uh, she had to stay home with the kids, and he got to go out drinking and blah, 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 and she decided to take a night out for herself with the ladies, and so she left us, me and my two younger brothers. I was four years old, and she left me and my two younger brothers with the pastor and his wife next door. And uh, oh, I remember sitting with her, and uh, it was just such a neat feeling because she was reading to us. She put an apple pie in the oven that we were going to have mm. for breakfast. Mm. And so I went to bed. I just felt so, I remember feeling very happy and content. And in the middle of the night, my dad and his mom and his brothers came and they took us. He was pissed. My mom had left us with someone else. And I remember my grandma, you know, I was just, where's mom? I want mom to, don't worry, you know, here's some chocolate donuts. And I was like, I don't want donuts. I want apple pie. Mm. You know, and uh, so he uh, moved, he brought us out to rural Indiana and he was hiding us from my mom. He would bring us to different families, uh, say we, he would leave us for a couple of days and he'd be gone for a couple of weeks. I remember the families having children, had us three kids with them along with their kids and the parents arguing about when is Aaron going to get, you know, these kids and just not feeling wanted. I remember the mom holding one of her kids and, and comforting, and I thought, I want to be held and comforted, you know? And it was like, and I thought if that was if that was me and I was that mom, I would be holding and comforting these kids, you know? And you know, I always had the idea what I think you should do. So, uh, but um, I, I'm not going to go into a lot of that, but I'll tell you what, my dad ended up marrying a stripper so he could get a, a mom for us, and it was when I was in first grade. And uh, so we had been moved around a bunch from four until I was six. And then we settled into a house and uh, my stepmother <laughs> was, okay, I can go into stories about that. Anyway, um, we were in a terrible car accident when I was in first grade. No, first thing that happened in first grade was I told my teacher I was taken from my mom. Mm. And she called the house and talked mm. to my stepmother. And my stepmother said, oh, she's crazy. Don't listen to her. And then we were in a terrible car accident in third grade. And at the hospital, the police were there. And I told the police that I was taken from my mom. Could you bring me to my mom? And they brought me to my stepmother, who was laying on the table with mm. crushed up from the accident. She's like, oh, don't listen to her. She's crazy. And I was miserable. I had, uh, until I was 10 years old, I had uh, no love. I was, um, uh, we were pretty much... Um, neglected. There was no dentist. There was no doctor. There was no love. There was no hugs. Um, Dad wasn't around much because he was drinking. And uh, um, and my grandma, my dad's mom, said. I remember one Christmas when I was ten. She said, "What's wrong?" And I was like, "I want to be with my mom." You know. Like, and she said, well, why don't you pray? I'm like, pray? What's that? You know? And she's like, well, you know, there's a God. And she was trying to tell me about God and that don't pray like Santa. You, uh, you know, you could pray to him of the things you want, but don't do it like Santa Claus. You know, you pray from your heart. You know? And I remember going to my room that night and thinking, wow, you know, I can tell you I was taken from my mom and you're not going to tell me I'm crazy. And I remember looking up and just saying, if you're there, prove it. I was 10 years old. I was mm -hmm. like, prove it. Bring me to my mom. And uh, within a couple of days, I had a vision of being uh, this angel-like and picking me up, coming through the window, picking me up, taking me out the window and carrying me across the sky. And I'm looking down. I got this angel. I felt very comfortable. And I could see all these street lights, like highway street lights blowing, all these cars and and I, and I, it didn't end where he brought me to my mom, but I knew he was bringing me there, this angel. And two weeks later, my mom was at the door. 
And my brothers and I were standing there, and they didn't remind you who it was right away. But my brothers, my youngest was just a baby when my dad, and the other one was only, a, you know, he was a couple years younger than me. So they were like, who's that? I'm like, that's my mom. And they, uh, they, uh, they told us to go upstairs, and my dad and my mom and my stepmother were sitting at the kitchen table, and, uh, and they asked us to come down. They stood us in front of them, and dad goes, okay, who do you want to live with, you know? And uh, Ten-year-old. My dad, yeah, my ten, and my brother, yeah, right. who was, you know, eight, and then the other one was six, you know? And, uh, and it was like, seriously, you know, there's no doubt, you know, mom. And we all said mom, and my brothers didn't even know her, you know? Mm -hmm. But there's that thing, there's that connection. And plus, we were not in a good, healthy, you know, environment. And come to find out years later, my dad was so offended and so taken back, you know, because his narcissistic alcoholism had taken over and he had been providing for us for all those years. And he didn't even know this overweight, not beautiful as far as he was concerned woman. Why would they want to be with her? So, mm -hmm. And uh, I remember driving up to the inner city Chicago on the highway up uh, Dan Ryan Expressway. And seeing the lights in the cars and going, oh. wow. And so that was my first catapult into the fourth dimension, they call it. Mm -hmm. you know? uh, there was something, wow, you know, and, and I forgot about that prayer, you know, okay. <laughs> you know, until, uh, so I went from, you know, rural Indiana to inner city Chicago. Mm, and oh my step. God, that was, oh, it was terrible. I hated to accept that I was with my mom, you know. Mm -hmm. And she was raising the three of us on her own, working two jobs, so I was taken over. I was the oldest and made sure everything was done. And she had her friend named Sue. And um, see, my mom, I found out, liked to smoke pot, you know. And uh, she had her good best friend, Sue. And uh, and they were partying. And Sue had a little brother named Michael. And uh, when I was 10 years old, I met Michael. And uh, we hit it off right away. In fact, when I met him, they lived up in the north side, but he came down for one summer and uh, we were dressed the same. We had the same short haircut. We had the love beads. We had uh, the jeans and then the peace t-shirt with the, the American flag. Oh yeah, little baby little hippies. hippies. Yeah. yeah, we were baby I was, yeah, my mom was a hippie. I was, and we, I, I fell in love with him right away, even at 10 years old, but it wasn't, you know, it was just, you know, it was a connection. And then kept in touch and then when I was 13, the summer between seventh and eighth grade, I went up to visit him up in uh, Wonder Lake. And, uh, you know, I never felt like I belonged. You know, I was one of those that I was, had moved around. I, I, didn't, I didn't know enough and I wasn't pretty enough. I had a stepsister at the time when I was with my stepmother and, uh, and she was everything and I was nothing. And so anyway, so I went up to visit Michael for a week, and uh, I, and one day I had my first hit off a cigarette, first hit off a joint, first drink, and first kiss all in one day with Michael. And I was off to the races. Wow! You know, and I, I came, overachiever. I know, right? It was like oh the my god, quadfecta. It was, yeah, and it was awesome because I, you know, and I came back, you know, to the city in eighth grade, and oh my, all of a sudden I had all these friends, you know. Yeah. I was in, but I was really afraid of the drink. Mm -hmm. because my dad, you know, mm -hmm. so I'll be a drug addict. Like my mom, I'll smoke pot, but I am not going to be an alcoholic mm -hmm. like my dad. So um, I was very careful. But, you know, my mom uh, was a very free spirit and uh, hated the city and started praying to God to get out of the city. And we did when I was uh, between my freshman and sophomore year. Uh, and we moved in uh, to the south suburbs here in Richardson Park and went to the All-American High School. It was awesome. And, uh, you know, the, uh, carpeting, floor-to-floor -floor carpeting, air conditioning, it was totally different from the inner city. And they had a smoking lounge. Oh, you know, if you had permission from your parents, you could smoke, you know. And it was an outside thing. It was awesome, you know. So, of course, my mom gave me permission. I mean, she was having kegger parties for me starting at 15 years old. And I was real careful not to drink um, 
But boy, oh boy, the pot ran wild, you know. And then I was doing other things too, you know. I was taking hits of acid and trying different drugs and things like that. And uh, by the time I uh, got, when I was 17, I remember said, I can't continue this way. I don't want to continue to be a drug addict, you know. Uh, And I remember praying to God. It's like, uh, you know, I, I, I knew these things I wanted to do before I was 18. And that was, one, get closer to God. And two, quit with the drugs and alcohol, quit smoking exercise better blah 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 but anyway those are the things and uh and so i did you know i i uh i I, and I started, uh, I went to beauty school while I was in high school, I went half a day, half a day, I graduated, I was getting high, you know, smoking Thai weed in the morning, whatever, and still getting, I was getting on a roll my senior year in high school, I was still being able to maintain, and I, uh, I started working at the beauty shop, and well, because <laughs> I got my license when I was 17, working at the beauty shop, well, I learned how to do cocaine from my boss, you know, at the at the beauty shop and smoking pot and, you know. But there were some great haircuts there. Huh? Oh, man, we were having a blast. Well, not during work, of course, but <laughs> yeah. after, you know, and then that was my, you know, that was my group. Those are my people. We went out, you know, and, uh, woo, that was fun. Yeah, and anyway, uh, then I met my husband. We I met him uh, at a friend's house, and they, we were, you know, doing coke and partying up and everything. And I thought right away when I looked, I went, wow, he's good looking. Six foot four, lean, you know. Oh, my gosh. And he came over and whispered in my ear, do you know where I can get some of those drugs? And the, oh, man, the hair on the back of my neck and the goose pimples. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is my guy, you know. And uh, so I'm, the third time meeting him, uh, we... That was it. We, you know, we went on a date and uh, and we sat for hours and hours talking about what we expected in a relationship, and then we were not going to continue with the drugs. Um, that was just a temporary thing, and uh, and he was everything I wanted, and I was everything he wanted, and I had to look it up in Linda's Goodman's love signs about the Gemini woman and the Libra man, and, and uh, you know, and that night we, we were doing acid, you know, and we were having so much fun. Said in Linda Goodman's love sign that they were the two most compatible of the, mm. and and they're most likely to meet on a trip. And I was like, oh yeah, we were meeting, we were tripping. I was different like, definition of a trip. Oh well, right. you know, no, that was the answer. That was God's sign right there. He's the one for me, you know. So and we had a great relationship, but you know, um, trying to quit, you know, with uh, we were doing the cocaine, and then uh, I uh, I got pregnant with my first one after we were married for a year and a half and I knew I couldn't, you know, and I stopped right away and I prayed and I really took on God then. I really like accepted him in my life. And uh, for the next 10 years I had my three kids and I wasn't using at all. And, uh, and then we took a trip to Jamaica after my son and it, everything changed again, you know, and we went to Jamaica a lot then because we could smoke of the ganj and drink, you know, and, uh, and then we started doing the cocaine again. And one time we went for two weeks and I did so much coke that I blew a hole through my nose. Mm. Mm. And through the, you know, and I couldn't do it anymore. And uh, then my mom died. Uh, and I wasn't doing cocaine anymore, but I remember sitting out by the fire pit in my house. We had a beautiful two acres wooded property. Uh, we had our house paid off in 15 years. Everything was going great, you know. I was sitting by the fire pit playing my guitar and a song came up. This was a year after my mom died that, uh, and I was playing a Neil Young song. I just started breaking into tears because it's her, it her favorite. And the next door neighbor came over. He saw me crying. You okay? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, you know, my mom, you know. And he's like, well, I got a little Coke. You want to do a little Coke? Well, no, 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 no. I don't, 
I don't do that anymore. You know, I blew a hole through my nose. He's like, no, 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 I'll show you. We'll cook it up and smoke it. Check mm -hmm. this out. And uh, mm -hmm. yeah, I had it hit off that pipe and that was, that was the answer. That did it. I was so, oh my God, it felt so good. Everything, everything was gone. And, uh, my husband got some coke and I said, let's, you know, I learned how to cook it up and, and smoke it. And he goes, that ruins families. I heard we can't do that. I'm like, ah, you know. And so, yeah, we got addicted to crack cocaine. And uh, we were cooking it up. We were getting the good stuff, you know. I had a, we had this woman, this supplied a little black woman, you know, and uh, she had the best stuff. And we cook it up and... Uh, and then I started becoming not present. My daughter, my middle daughter said, you became not present. I was hiding out in the camper, smoking it. You know, I was uh, going and getting it from her and not telling my husband. Um, and we were getting it together. And, uh, and when the winter came, I went down in the basement, a little corner room doing it. And it was, it took over my life, you know, and uh, we had a lot of money, you know, at the time. So that's kind of dangerous when you're a drug addict. And then I went to her to get It's a quick some, way to go from yeah. a lot of money to a to little bit of money, No, right? you know what, though? Right. We were doing fine. We were making a lot yeah. of money. We had a trucking business, you nice. know? And uh, I, was, I gave up my, uh, my career to be home with the kids because I knew I was from generations of, uh, my, of women that had, lost, uh, had been separated from their mothers before they were 18. My great-grandmother... Was uh, her mom died when she was born? My, I'm not gonna go, but all of us. My mom, my grandmother, and me, and I was determined mm -hmm. to break that. And um, so, I went to get some from my uh, from the end. She said, "That's it." I was so skinny and so withdrawn, and she, you know, she had seen our family, and she goes, "That's it. No more for you. I'm done. You're not. I'm not selling to you anymore." And she's like, you're coming and getting it and not telling, and say not to tell him. And he's coming and getting it and telling him not to tell you. And you're both, and you look like crap, and you're going to ruin your family. You're done. And I'm like, what, <laughs> what Coke dealer tells somebody they can't just... Boy, she they goes, have morals and integrity. No, yeah, right? no, what, kind check of dealers, this out. what kind of dealers that? Right, Clint? And she goes, you need 90 and 90. I'm like, yeah. what's that? What's and she's that? like, look it up. She was pissed. So I had to oh. look it up, and I'm like, oh meeting so you know i brought it up to my husband and he was like nah we can do it well we've been trying to do that for years to stop and all we had to do is look at each other across the room you know yep. and uh so i finally i'll tell you um i i had to i i, I looked it up you know on google for uh rehab and i needed to get away and i you know how it says uh i feel lucky you know, I put in everything that I had, and, and I, I don't believe in luck. I believe in blessings. And uh, I felt, okay, I feel blessed. with and, and it came up able to change in California, which is a, and I was looking for something very humble. I don't want to go to a resort. I want to go someplace, you know, that doesn't cost a lot. And when I was looking over this and looking over the staff and everything, I felt like I knew them my whole lives. So, um, the counselor main guy was a Native American. You could tell he was, you know, and it was just, I just felt like I really connected. And, and I begged my husband for two more years to let me go, and he wouldn't. And, you know, we can do this, we can do this. And finally, uh, one night, I just packed up my stuff. He was at work. I packed up my stuff and started driving west on I-80. I was just going to go. And I called my brother, and he's like, uh, Linda, you can't just do it that way. You need to, you know, say goodbye to your family and everything. So I stopped, and I went and found some more Coke and cooked it up at a hotel room and was doing it myself. And I 
went back home, and he was still sleeping. He wasn't, didn't even read the note, didn't even know I was gone. And uh, I told him I have to go, so he let me go. And uh, it was the best experience of my life. And uh, so, you know, he was going to stay home and do it on his own and take care of things, mm-hmm. and I was going to go. And uh, within the, I was just going to do 30 days, and within the uh, first few weeks of talking, I could tell he was just still smoking it. You know, and uh, the people at the rehab were saying, "You can't go back. You can't go back home." I'm like, "What do you mean you can't go home? I got my three kids." You know, and then, and uh, so I stayed for 59 days. And uh, the next day, my daughter was graduating high school. My oldest one, I wanted to be there for her. So I had everything planned, all the meetings. I had my first uh, first uh, 12-step meeting for alcoholics uh, in California, and I and I really didn't feel like I belonged because I was a drug addict. I wasn't an alcoholic. And, but boy, when I sat and listened to your stories, I was like, this, I can relate to everything. And you guys are laughing about, you know, all the crazy insanity. And I was like, wow, I, I feel like I belong in there. And I would say, I'm Linda, I'm an addict. And they would go, oh, you can't say that. You know, this is, you know, there's a tradition here that you have to, you know, have a desire to stop drinking. I'm like, well, yeah, I do. I don't want to drink either, you know. So I, I kind of belong, but not really. I didn't think I was an alcoholic and uh, came home. And started going to meetings, got a sponsor, blah, 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 and I got a resentment against my sponsor and stopped going to meetings, started talking to her. I ended up staying in bed. Six months later, I heard my bed. I was in bed for three months. <laughs> I didn't want to get out of bed because I was afraid I was going to use. And I heard my husband in the bathroom using, and I was like, got up and went in there and did it. And like, no, no, we can't just snort. I need to cook it up. And oh, my gosh, I'm right back to where I was. And I knew I didn't want to go back. So that was when I made the decision. Uh, and I thought, you know, I'll just have a little drink at night, you know, take the edge off. Boy, did that progress quickly. And it didn't take long for me to realize, you know, when I was coming home from work, I'm not going to get that. I'm not going to get the vodka. I'm not going to do it. And then the steering wheel automatically pulled into the liquor store. I'm like, I'm a freaking alcoholic. Everything you guys taught me in AA, I learned about it. Mm-hmm. I did it. I was doing I was hiding the bottles and going to different liquor stores, blah, blah, blah. And I couldn't get my ass up to get to a meeting because I was had been going to the... Uh, out in Chicago Heights, and uh, the 10 a.m. meetings were mine. And my husband was doing everything he could in his power to keep me from going. He hated AA, hated the idea that you're powerless. How can you be powerless? And you know, and and that the family after the family time, you know, and rehab was they were like, you know, you're an enabler. And he's like, an enabler. It's her decision, you know. And so, so he was very angry. And uh, and then you know, Michael, you know, Michael. He found me on Facebook in March of 2012, and I was like, oh, my God, that guy, there's no way. Because I had seen him when I was 18, and he was such an alcoholic, drug addict mess. I had nothing to do with that guy. And uh, and he gave me his number, and he's like, and I thought, I don't have nothing to do, you know. And in April, I was drunk one night, and I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to call him, you know. And what the heck? And so I called him, blah, 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 giving him my drunk log on, and he goes, Oh my God. I'm like, what? He's like, I've been in AA for five years and saved my life. Get your ass to a meeting. Oh, so I did the next morning, you know, and I got a sponsor and all this. Well, my husband was having a really hard time. He's trying to do it on his own and he would go a few days, but he was miserable laying back there, uh, laying with his hand over his head uh, and just miserable. I'm like, have a, you know, have a drink, smoke a joint, just don't be like that, you know? And, and then he would binge and then he started hurting me physically. And I realized that, you know, I learned from you guys in the room that there's only one thing you have to change and that's everything. And I knew I had to leave if I wanted to stay sober. 
I moved up to, with my sister-in-law up in McHenry, she invited me to move up there. And I started working a program up there, going to meetings all the time. And a Saturday morning, um, you know, now Michael was, um, you know, I called him my angel, you know, because he had got me back into the, uh, in, back into AA. And uh, he used to call me Pocahontas, you know. And, uh, and I, it was so weird because when I moved up there, I, I went to the Saturday morning big book study and I walk in and who do you think is chairing that meeting? I had no idea. I had no idea. Michael was chairing that meeting and it was his five year anniversary that day. He was chairing the meeting. We're reading out of the big book and it's called this. We were reading in the back of the, the personal stories in the back and it was listening to the wind, which is it took an angel to introduce this native American woman to AA and recovery. I started crying. I'm like, oh, I'll catapult into the fourth dimension. Uh, like, really go. too coincidental, you know. And uh, and I'll tell you what, I was loving the program. Everything was on the pink cloud and everything. But to be honest with you, I was not working the principles. You know, there's a set of principles that we have that are guides. That are, you know, it's not just about not drinking, you know. And it's about living a new life. And I was, and I was uh, separated from my husband. And I was kind of crazy, 13-stepping out there. And uh, there was a young gentleman that was interested in me as well. And we went to meet out and, uh, to see the Bears play the Green Bay October 1st, 2012 and, uh, at a bar. And I met him in the rooms and I go in there and he's sitting in the corner with a pitcher of beer with this grin on his face. And I was like, oh, Lord, I need a shot for this one, you know. So I went up to the bar and I, and this is six months sober, you know, I gave up everything to get sober. And here I am at a bar to meet a guy and I'm like shot of tequila lime salt blom oh I need another one all three gotta have three at least and then that third one I looked up and I saw myself in the mirror I was like I hate you bitch that was it and I slammed it down I looked over at this grin I turned around and I walked out I thought God get me home safe I never got a DUI I never got in trouble and the next day I told on myself on my sponsor and my home group I get, dug myself in the program and uh, a gentleman came up to me in the rooms and he says, after I shared, you know, and told him myself, and he goes, what if someone comes up to you and says, I got some bad news, are you ready for it? And he looked me straight in the eye, I got some bad news, are you ready for it? And I thought, oh my God, I can't drink over anything. It doesn't matter, or drug. And usually when I did, wanted to, it was because I was feeling really good. It was like, okay, I feel good, let's mm -hmm, feel even sure. better, you know? So I was really praying on that. Um, my last drink was October 1st, 2012. And I was praying on that. I was really digging. I was staying in the middle of the herd, working my steps. And uh, I'm in the middle of a meeting a couple of days before Christmas. And my daughters are calling me. Now, my kids wanted nothing to do with me at this point, all three of them, because I abandoned the family. I didn't tell them anything about what was going on or why. I just knew I had to leave. I didn't want to tell them anything bad about their father. And uh, my daughters are calling, what the heck is that about? And I, and I went out and uh, my daughter, my oldest, I called my oldest daughter. She goes, mom, are you sitting down? And I was like, oh, and she goes, I got some bad news. Are you ready for it? And I just freaked out because I'm like, oh my, catapult to the fourth dimension. There it is. I admit, she said exactly those words that I have been praying on that gentleman said. I thought, oh God, help her. Instead of help me, I'm thinking help her. Something's up. What happened? My youngest son, blah, blah, blah. And she said, dad killed himself. My husband had taken his life. And uh, through the grace of God and the fellowship of the program, I didn't have to drink over that. I went to the funeral, and it was like I was the one that put the gun to him because all they heard was his side of the story of why I left. And they knew that I was the one that went to rehab. And, that you know, and, uh, it was very difficult. My kids wanted nothing to do with me. My daughter looked at me like I was the devil. Uh, 
hated me. And I wanted to grab them by the shoulders and let them and explain and thank God for my sponsor telling me that, you know what, you can't. You got to let them go and give them to God and just work your program. Mm -hmm. And uh, today, you know, <clears throat> coming on uh, nine years, uh, I have that relationship built up with all three of my kids. That's awesome. And I have uh, two grandchildren. Boy, that's some hope, huh? Yeah, that's right. a, you know what? And, and wow. there's so much that's even more about my sobriety you know i just went into the you know my 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 dad my grandpa died going through the windshield drunk driving my brother died going through the windshield into the kankakee river he was only 14 my youngest brother uh other grandpa died from alcoholism and and uh emphysema from smoking dad died from cancer from, from uh drinking and not taking care of himself and my mom died from a drug overdose and everybody in my family died from and not linda not Linda, no. And you know when I when I thought about it, and I and I was in my sobriety, and I'm thinking, you know, I just want to be with you guys. This is, this yeah, is rough, sure, man. Sure. And they were all around me. I could feel yeah, them on. They're yeah. like, no, 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 Linda, you got something you got to do. Yeah. And I'm like, well, woo. And you do, <laughs> and you do have something you I need do. to do. You you know, you share your story, that experience. Uh, but then, as Glenn said, the hope. Uh, the hope that you have now, and I see the bounce in your step. Oh, yeah. I see your your faith, your strong faith. I see your confidence, and I see you giving back to a community, That's saying, "Look, you can go through all kinds of tragedy and come on the other side of this." Absolutely, and that's what I love, love about yeah. you. Because there's all of those experiences are are helping me to help somebody else, and that is my purpose Isn't in life. Right. I know what it is, and you know I can not only help them about drugs and alcohol, but there's codependency, mm -hmm. there's grief, and hopefully now I'm about smoking cigarettes. Yeah, right. I'm working on that one now. Yeah. Yes, Lynn, I love your story. I mean, I took a page of notes, um, you know, and and just to recap a couple. I mean, just amazing the impact that uh, alcoholism has on families. Right. You know, and. And, um, you know, I'm reminded of a chapter in the big book that says there is a solution. Um, you know, and, and another thing, you know, and I know, I, I don't know all the details of what you do today. I know I like to, I'm, I've actually counted the things I do. There's 23 things I do to stay sober. I know you do a lot. Mm -hmm. um, very active. Or as, and I wrote it down, you're in the middle of the herd. Yes. Yeah, I love that. Um, I mean, that's, yeah. that's the place to be to stay sober. Uh, that just hit it for me. But I want to put you on the spot. Okay. Good, good. I love challenges. Are you okay? Yeah. Uh, so um, you, you referenced a point in the bar in 2012 where you looked in the mirror and, 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 and you said, I hate you, bitch. Yes. That should probably be the title of this episode. <laughs> I hate you, bitch. Right. Um, okay. So... So I, I think the way to wrap up hope, um, if you looked in the mirror today, right now, what would you say? <laughs> um, I can't look at the physical because I hate it. But inside, uh, I, I have to think about what God thinks about me. And that's all that matters is what me and God think and what God thinks. No, so what does anybody God think? else thinks. Pardon me? What does God think? God thinks like I, I, I can do better <laughs> because I fall short every day. 
You know, and, and even though, you know, I do the best that I can, I can always do better. But I have to remember that it's a learning process. It's progress, not perfection. And the day I think I got it is when I'm screwed. Mm-hmm. I need to I need to stay green. I need to keep growing, you know, and, and my primary purpose is to help others. I went through a whole training thing to help these other women that don't have an opportunity to uh, don't want to do AA. Don't want to, don't hate God, don't want to have anything to do with God. What do we do with those people? Mm-hmm. And so I went through, I'm a, actually a certified professional recovery coach so that I can find a way to help other people that doesn't have to be this easier, softer way, which I consider AA is, right. you know what I mean? And that's my purpose is, um, you know, God, you know, if you have a hard time with God, let's just go to God is good. And God is love. Remember those two things? Right. So if I replace the word in any of this with good or love, it all works. It all works. Yeah. Love, it. love it. So 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 instead of if I could kind of summarize what we just said, instead of seeing hate, you see goodness and love. Got to seek it, and that's the thing is seeking. You know, they say that, you know, seeking you shall find, but you know, with the, what are you seeking? We need to seek goodness and love. That's what we love seek, it. and and then love God it. will. God will show us that. But, you know, and that's where that seventh, you know, that third step prayer is, you know, is my, his will, not mine. Right. You know, that's so right. we got to pray for his will, not mine. So mm. when I'm praying to him, I'm like, your will, God, you know, mm. and, 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 and all I can do is go good and love, right. good and love. And then what can I do next? And I quit asking him why. That's I right. ask him how, how, what, where, when, that's but right. not why, because I may not know why. Will ever. you come back again? Oh, you bet. Are you uh, kidding? Guys, I don't even know yeah, a fraction. That's only a small fraction because I didn't even get into the, the, the hope and the, and the positivity and the, and the happy, joyous, and free part of it, you know, because it I really hear it. is. I hear it in your voice. It really is. And can, I see it in your walk. Yeah, can Goodness I sh- and love. Yep. Can I share one thing with yes. you? Yes. Go ahead. Share away. Um, At the heart of every deception lies a key principle. This is what I call the great deception, the belief that we have a better plan for our lives than God does. And there was this thing that was written in the 12 and 12, and it says these distinguished men, they were doing a survey to see what we had in common. Mm -hmm. And these distinguished men had the nerve to say that most of the alcoholics under investigation were still childish, emotionally sensitive, and grandiose. And I was like, oh, hell yeah. That's Mikey and I. That's That's me. So remember, though, and I want to leave you with this. When waiting for prayers to be answered, it might be in the waiting that we get the answer. Yep. Yep. I love, love you. I love, love you, you guys. Thank you for having Hi, me. Thanks, I'm Linda. coming back. Have a great one. Right. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for today's Coffee Chat. To contact the show, email us at podcast at sober.coffee. If you need immediate help, the AA hotline is 800-839-1686. The National Suicide Prevention Hotline is 800-273-8255. Remember, Mike and Glenn are sharing their own journey on the path to recovery. Any suggestions, medical or otherwise, are their own experiences and should not be viewed as professional advice. See you next week, and remember, there is a solution.